Hello, Texans. Welcome to the program here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. It is the roundtable because we have D.P. Sidhu and Drew Doherty here as well. We've been doing this on Tuesdays. It's fun. It's fun to get everybody's opinions and perspectives on things, including but not limited to OTAs. That's right. They started yesterday, continued today. We all had a look, and it's time to dig in, folks, and talk about what we saw, what we felt what we experienced emotionally, we don't have to go that deep, but we will. Drew, first of all, your biggest takeaway from what you saw today overall. I could get checked on this, I'm sure, and maybe I'm incorrect, but it seemed like more reps on the whole today in, a, in an OTA than I've ever seen before. And what I mean by that is, specifically with the offense, usually it's the first-team quarterback throws a pass to said receiver. This I saw today two two quarterbacks working at the same time, throwing at the same time. It seemed very, very crisp. One guy would rotate out. One guy would move over, and the next guy would move in. And it was kind of like – it reminded me a little bit more of about 15 years ago when I was in Lubbock and watching Mike Leach's five quarterbacks throwing to five different receivers at the same time, getting everybody reps. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I've just not been paying attention for the last decade or so, but <laughs> – it seemed like a lot more going on today than in OTAs of, of recent years. Johnny, comments on that. Well, one of the things that I – I have seen them do, like, dual quarterback stuff, but here's one – the one thing I've, I've never seen ever is when they have been going two quarterbacks, if they're both – if they're on, one's under center, the other's under center. If they're both in a gun, they're both in gun. This, they're alternating, where there might be one guy in under mm -hmm. center and there might be one guy mm -hmm. in the gun. And that's different. Like, I remember watching it going, wait a second, something different here. And then I realized, oh, they're one's under center, one's, you know, uh, in the shotgun. And they're working, uh, you know, all their route trees and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. But that's the one thing that I've noticed. They did, they did do that before. But the one thing I noticed along those, si along those lines, Drew, was the ball didn't hit the ground much. I think there, mm -hmm. were, two, there were two drops. Um, that was it. In the, I mean, balls were right where they needed to be. So... That's always a good sign when quarterbacks are throwing on air. And I know people hear that and go, well, duh, they're on air. Listen, there have been practices that we have seen in OTAs. Oh, yeah, on air. Where high, highly paid quarterbacks were on air and missing receivers by a wide margin. Yep. We've or seen very, it. very high. So we've seen that. So this, this was, I don't want to say it's anything new, but it's always, another, okay, these guys are pretty accurate. One little addendum. I just know over the last few years I've been able to comfortably – shoot with my phone the video and have plenty of time in between reps did not that was not the case i mean i had to like bang 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 there was no wasted moment it seemed to i me. agree i i felt like they are so crisp they are so quick in what they do station to station it's noticeable and it's really cool it's really refreshing in a way and to see this offense come into play but i don't want to use my take time now db what's oh, yours yeah, I was, I've, I've, I've enjoyed these takes because I, I feel like along those same lines with the quarterbacks i don't know really what I expected to see out of C.J. Stroud in OTAs. I thought we might try to put him off to the side. He's a rookie. You know, he's got to earn his spot or whatever. But I was pleased to see that he was getting a lot of reps. I know ones and twos don't really matter right now, but it seemed like he was getting quite a few reps. So I liked the amount of work that he was getting done. And I liked the the mixing up of him and the receivers and Davis Mills. So I appreciate that. I know we're not naming any starters right now. I think that's the big question everywhere we go is, you know, what do you think is going to happen week one? But I think he's getting a lot of work. We heard from Davis Mills a little bit earlier. He's still preparing as if 
he's competing for a starting job because he said that's just how he's always competed. So there's a lot of work for the rookies out there. And I, I like seeing Tank Dell out there. I thought, man, he is really fast. He makes his cuts so quickly. So since Drew didn't bring up Tank Dell, I thought I would bring up Tank Dell because I know we're all sort of out there watching him. But I really like this one particular pass that C.J. Stroud had to Tank Dell that got me kind of fired up. Yeah, we're all waiting for Johnny to bring up the offensive lineman because nobody else will. But <laughs> come on, <laughs> man. Hang on. Hang it's on. Titus Howard's birthday. But so, I will yeah. say this, though. <laughs> I think that Stroud is actually getting more reps than anybody. I know everybody read the tweets earlier in the day that Mills was getting the first-team reps or first-team reps, period. I don't think it's like that. They're blending lineups together. Yes. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's the first quarterback to go in some of these drills and some of these sessions. But then Stroud will go second and get, I would think, more reps than Mills. And we were roughly counting them. But this is day two, whatever it is. Give me two, three weeks of this mini camp, and I'll have much more to say about it or much more to think about it because I think right now they're just trying to get everybody acclimated. I'm just trying to remember in the past when you've had a rookie quarterback that you think is going to be the starter. It's usually like one quarterback gets a ton of reps yep. and then, then it's two and three kind of, you know, they, right. it's, it's way less. But it didn't feel that way. No, like it didn't. One and two were getting about the same. And there's also mingling. Like, you to add on to what you were just saying, Mark, you'd have, like you say, Mills handing off to – Pierce in a drill, and then a few snaps later, when Pierce's turn came up, it was Stroud handing off to Pierce and Stroud handing off to Singletary before that. It was yeah. a, a mixing and matching, mm -hmm. a mingling. That's another thing that I'm, I'm kind of going back to my original point. You, you just had a lot more crispness, it felt like, mm -hmm. today. Johnny. Yeah, that, that was the word I was going to use, uh, the crisp nature of practice. Um, there are mistakes made in every, every practice. There's no question about that. I think one of the things, and this is – you know, when you have a rookie quarterback and just, you know, you have young players in general learning a new a new scheme. You know, Jalen Petrie's learning a new scheme. Demi Pierce is learning a new scheme. You know, everybody's learning a new scheme. But when you're a rookie quarterback learning a new scheme, that can take I, – I can imagine the toll it takes on coaches. I always think about it from the coaching angle. And the patience with which just kind of watching, observing Bobby Slowick and how he how he deals with not, – not just C.J. Stroud, but all the quarterbacks – but knowing that Davis Mills and Case Keenum have called a play like the ones they're running in practice, but seeing C.J. Stroud, you can see he's kind of thinking through some things, like he's, he's getting to play and he's going into the huddle and those kind of things. You can see he's kind of thinking through that. And I could just see the patience on Bobby Slowick, which I think, uh, and I think about, you know, days of, of your coaching and how impatient I would get. Like, what did I just tell you? I just mm -hmm. told you this, 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 this. You know, I would lose my patience. He doesn't, he hasn't lost patience at all. Like, he could tell him he's very thorough, he's very precise, but he's also being very patient um, as, I, as I watch him. Now, once you get into the games and it's time to win games, okay, the patience, yeah, all right. But, you know, right now, when you can be patient, when you can teach, when you can step back and make sure that your guy has gotten it, um, that's what they're doing. And I, I really appreciate that. I just think the energy and the vibe is just, so different and i know a lot of people say well it's the D'Amico factor it's the D'Amico factor i think there's a lot of things that go into that yes D'Amico is a big part of that but i think also the veterans you brought in here we heard from robert woods today um you know jimmy ward we ran to jimmy ward walking out to the field you can just kind of sense the energy and just watch him out at practice mm. the energy and the vibe that he brings i just think there's a different vibe and an energy that has gone with guys they brought in whether it's the rookies whether it's the veterans they've signed there's just something a little different about that and i think it's kind of rubbed off on everybody but man 
how quickly the tempo of practice and things they move from drill to drill and how they go about it. It's pretty impressive, and hopefully that continues because that, to me, of course, you go into coaching mode. Like that, to me, is where you start to you you think fast, you practice fast, you play fast, and all of a sudden you start putting pressure on teams because you execute that way every single thing that you do, and hopefully that's what we do uh, in twenty twenty three and beyond. You mentioned Bobby Slowick coaching the offense. We didn't hear from him today, but we heard from D'Amico Ryan's who talked about that among other things. They approach it just like everyone else, right? They take their time. Each player, right, no matter who you are, quarterback, linebacker, each player in a position group room learns differently. So as a coach, you take your time to get to know that player and you get to know how that player learns best. And that's how you go about teaching them. And that's D'Amico Ryan's talking about Bobby Slowick coaching C.J. Stroud. Well, what about what C.J. Stroud had to say about the way he is being coached by Bobby Slowick and by Gerard Johnson, the quarterback's coach? They've taken it very um, methodical and just wanted to get me to learn it step by step, um, just like how they would teach anybody else. So um, I feel like I've tried to do a lot of work on my own. So when I come back the next day that I have that put in the bank to uh, be able to move on to the next uh, install, whatever it is. So uh, Bobby and Gerard have done a, a great job. Coach Lowe is, is a great young mind. Um, he's he's an amazing play caller. Um, so I'm super excited to work with him and Gerard. Of course, I've worked with him before. So it's just good to kind of be back, seeing a similar face and just getting more in depth of what he knows about the game and the knowledge that he brings i like watching cj stroud operate out there all right let's overanalyze everything right now body language the way he commands control in the huddle whatever the case may be but he just seems to have that x and it factor if you will now i'm not saying this as wishful thinking i do believe he has that he had it at the highest level in college so you just hope it translates into the professional ranks. And so far, he's got two days of OTAs under his belt. We'll see where it goes. I mean, I certainly thought his composure was he had a lot of composure out there, considering mm -hmm. it was the first day of OTAs with all the media out there. He didn't seem like he didn't know what we, what he was doing or where he needed to go. I, I felt like and, and to me, I think that just speaks to him playing at Ohio State at the highest level and, you know, just playing at the playing college football, at the level that he was able to to play that's translated to sort of his, you know, he's doing what D'Amico wants him to do. It's do what you did in college and you just have to do it here. It's, it's not so different. It's going to be a little bit faster. I feel like he has that confidence. I also like that. I it took me back to the Kubiak days, just seeing sort of the, you know, the way things were rolling out and bootlegs, bootlegs east to west stuff. I was like, Ooh, I like seeing that. yeah, a little bit of that again. He had a really good point too about, keeping the main thing the main thing and it sounds very simple but it doesn't always happen uh, when you get to the NFL so he's going to let the external stuff the extracurricular stuff get handled by the people around him support staff both on the team on his own squad and he's he's been focusing on football I mean we see him around the building when we're in, in here early we see him doing the extra stuff he mentioned it today he he does well there it's like he says all the other good stuff that comes with you know, the successes, that's going to happen. So he's just – he's all about football right now and, you know, trying to be better. So it's been fun to see. It's not, not refreshing because you hear that most of the time, but it's been good to see so far from that guy. Well, I think, I think the biggest thing along those lines, I think as a rookie, I think you can concentrate on football. I think the harder years become two, three, four, et cetera, because especially if you're good, because now everybody's telling you you're good. Mm. You're great. You rule the city of Houston – we love you. Now, how do you concentrate on football? Now you're getting more endorsement deals. Now you're getting more people paying attention to you. Now you're getting, you know, interview requests 
every single you know uh, week for production meetings. Now this guy wants to talk about you. This guy wants to do this. This woman wants to interview you over here. This group over here. I mean, it becomes that much more to me second, third, fourth year. The result of you being dialed in for year one is what produces all this for two, three, and four. To me, the great ones are the ones that keep that same focus through years one, two, three, four, where football is the main thing. Without football, you don't have this acclaim. You don't have people paying attention to you. That, to me, is going to be the test. Him right now being locked in and dialed in, thank God. Because if he's not, then, okay, <laughs> you had the wrong guy, and I don't think they had the wrong guy at all. But have that success, staying level-headed about that success. And that's where I think the Ohio State situation, to me, DP, will come in even more. Because it always felt like at Ohio State, <laughs> no matter what he did, it wasn't good enough. Mm. He wasn't Justin Fields. He didn't do this. It wasn't until that game against Georgia where they finally said, okay, we have, we have a great quarterback. Or we had a great quarterback. And I always go back to this. What did I tell you on January 14th? All this talk about quarterbacks going in the draft, and we have not had C.J. Stroud declare. And then finally, two hours before the deadline. Oh, yeah, that's right. He declared finally. like, And that, and what I say to you that day, like, okay, thank God. We got one of them. We're good. We're going to be okay. I, ended, I think we're going to have a great one. But, man, I think about, whoa, what if he went back? I mean, that would have been another year with the Mecca, Buka, Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming. I mean, they had a squad of wide receiver. He could have easily gone back. And that, then what we, would we have had? That would, <laughs> that would have gotten interesting. Um, mm. But he did. And so um, he – then I used that last piece about declaring late. He thought through that entire process. He went through every single aspect of it and decided this was the best move for him, and he was ready for it. And I'm, I'm glad he went through that. Didn't declare early and then went, oh, wait, did I do what I think? No, he went through that process, and he's in the right spot. So hopefully that's where it turns into some great stuff for all of us, him included. All right, I'm, I'm going to come in from left field with a bold prediction. Okay. Somebody or somebodies who have no business whatsoever scoring a touchdown, they will score touchdowns this year. And when I say that, because in the stretch period, the guys were doing these like, you know, static move, not static moves, these uh, active movements and kind of going towards the 10 yard line, the 20 yard line. Yeah. Every coach who was out there, every single coach had a football and would randomly throw it to a guy, lineman included, offensive yeah, lineman included. Yeah, I noticed that. So somebody's going to catch a ball that we, we don't normally see catch a ball this year. And it might be multiple guys, and they're going to score a touchdown, and it's going to harken back to this. First open day of OTAs, 2023. I said it. Bull it bridge. looked different. The yeah. warm up looked different well, than they what we've seen. They put it up on the, you know, on the board. They put the time, and yeah. then they'll say what the drill is. Yep. And it said something to the extent of the the ball warm up. Mm -hmm. hmm. I covered a game. It's funny you say it, Drew, because I covered a game, and I'll never forget this. 2015 down in San Antonio, Cibolo Steel against Katie playoff game. I'll never forget this. About two and a half hours before the game, before warm ups began, Cibolo Steel went on the field. At this point in the playoffs, you got all JV, you got sophomore team, you got like 100 kids. They all had a football. And they were throwing it at each other all the way up and down the field. Like, all of them. No coaches, just 100 yards of the field, and they're just throwing the ball to everybody. And I thought, that's genius. That's really genius because you never know at some point who's going to scoop and score. You know, what, you never have what enough time with it. Right. You never, you know, because you're a lineman. You get in the drill. You never touch the ball. You never see the ball. But at least you're doing something athletic with the football and you're right. I, it's so funny you said that because I think back to that day that if I had something, I would change. I would do that. I would tell my guys, 
Go get all the footballs we got. Go play catch. Don't hurt anybody. Just play catch. You know, run some, you know, quick routes, whatever. But just get the ball in your hands because there's so many guys that don't have it in their hands that you never know when they're going to get it. I want quick takes on the defense, but before that, quick takes on D'Amico because all of this applies to D'Amico, really. It's the D'Amico Ryan's umbrella. He covers everything here. This is his operation, and we're talking about some of the differences from some things we've seen before. Here's C.J. Stroud on the head coach. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a young coach who uh, knows how it is to play in this league and play for the Texans. So he knows a lot about the city of Houston, knows what comes with playing here. And I mean, he's just been great, uh, very vocal. Um, he's really funny, too. So like, it's cool to have a coach that's not all stuck up all the time or like super mad. So uh, he's been amazing, though. Uh, very transparent. Uh, communication has been great. So, um, yeah, he's going to be a great head coach. Everybody's wondering who's stuck <laughs> up all the time. What was the joke he told? Yeah. <laughs> but that was cool. I like that comment. I like listening to CJ talk. And I think D'Amico, he keeps it loose, but he keeps it focused. And you can just tell there's a difference. I think, you know, I think what he was trying to say is he's just so approachable. You know, I think as mm -hmm. a first, as a head coach in the NFL, these rookies are coming out of college. We've seen it here before where rookies don't know anything. They need, you, need, you need to know your spot. We don't care what round you were drafted in. We don't care what you did in college. Like, you're in the pros now. And I feel like it just doesn't. I've never heard D'Amico Ryan's talk like that about mm -hmm. the rookies. I feel like he's more along the veins of, hey, you were successful in college. You're going to be successful in the pros. It's going to be a lot faster. We're here to help you learn. Like, he's coming at it from a player's perspective, which I think is the beauty of having a player be your head coach. I, I think he understands that these guys are professionals. They're not trying to live off their college success they just want to be the best version of themselves and, and that's what he's here to help with them with and he he i think overall more than anything else he just wants them to feel comfortable and i and i i think that translates when you hear guys like cj speak I and mean, it makes all the sense in the world when he was the play when he was a player here he was the tone setter for the team in mm. practice every practice began with a really shrill loud D'Amico Ryan saying it's a great day to be alive. Every single practice mm -hmm. got going that way, and that got that team charged up. Now, you don't hear that necessarily, but you, he's the head coach. He's getting things going. This makes all the sense in the world. It's, he's staying true to form. I don't think you have to have played the, in the NFL to be a great football coach. I think we all – and that's not what you're saying. I'm getting there. But I do think there are certain things that having been a former player that you can relate to, and that's one of them, having been a rookie – and having that feeling, and I'm sure Gary Kubiak ran it the same, the same way that he is. There, there was not this, well, rookies don't know anything. You know, what are you going to do? All that kind of stuff. I don't think he experienced it, but I think he realized as a rookie, hey, there's some things you don't know, but you don't want to feel like you're not a part of the team or you're not a part of things just because, well, I just came out of college. Um, he shouldn't feel that way. Everybody should be um, in this thing together and, you know. You I can help never, the team. I, you can help the team absolutely. as a rookie. And especially this squad. Yeah. This squad has opportunities for first and second year guys to make a lot of plays. So I, I, I just like that approach. So look, everybody can help us. That's the way I would look at it. I don't care if you're a rookie or a 15-year guy, 15-year vet. You can help us in some way, shape, or form, and we're going to support you in every way possible to help you help us. Well, let's hear from the head coach. What does he have to say about the rookies and how they're coming along? The rookies have come along well. Right? The guys are flying around. Guys are, you know, they have a lot of a lot of learning to do, but they picked up on it very well. They're improving each day, it's, and that's all I ask of them. Just take a little one step every day, one step better, and those guys have they're doing it. So I'm encouraged with all of our rookies. They seem to fit right in. 
One step better every day. That's how we should all approach life. Okay, quick takes on what we saw defensively. Drew? Look good. I mean, it's fun and kind of out of place seeing Will Anderson with twos, but that's not going to last. He's going to be <laughs> They're all over the place. with the ones. Uh, Henry Tooto, you know, he got a lot of action there. He was moving guys around, so looks like he's settling in quite nicely and doing just what he did at Alabama, which is just what he did at Tennessee before that and out in De La Salle in high school prior to that, running the show on defense. Yeah, I was going to say Will Anderson. That that was the big standout to me. He's huge. He's tall. And, you know, I, I'm very excited to see what he does out there. I think Jalen Petrie, he talks a little He talks a little bit about him. Him and Jimmy Ward, I think that'll be an exciting pair mm. to watch as OTAs get going. They already have a handshake, Jalen said. He said it's <laughs> lit, so I can't wait to see the handshake because I didn't see it today. Uh, so I'm excited to see the melding of vets with the rookies, along with our second-year players. I mean, we saw, like, Petrie and Stingley, and I think just I want to see them this year because I think for us, even though everything else has changed, I want to see how they've changed from year one to year two. We saw what they were sort of at the back end of the year, but uh, to see them now this year, be, just being more comfortable. Jalen Petrie was so comfortable last year, I can't even imagine what second-year Jalen Petrie is going to look like. He got up there in front of the media today, and I felt like he's been he's here five years. Vet. Yes. Yeah, but in a good way, five years, right? Yeah. It just felt so comfortable and natural, Petrie. I want to get his – I want to get the veterans' commentary on this organization right now, get his perspective. Johnny, quick take on the defense. Yeah, I think there's, there's depth to go with talent, and they play faster – and I think they're going to play smarter. Uh, that's going to be, to me, something really interesting. And they play fast. They're playing faster. Now, that is right now when the scheme is simple. They've got to continue to play fast as they start to amp them, things up. But I think that's going to be the biggest thing is how fast they can play with all this knowledge and brain power and some, some athletes, including the guy Drew mentioned, Will something or other. <laughs> oh, him. His name is. Whatever his name is. Well, he'll figure it out. I think there are two players here that are more important than whatever they produce on the field. It's going to be about what they produce on the field for sure, but also what they produce in the locker room. I don't, I don't expect Case Keenum to play much, okay? And if he does, maybe people have gotten hurt. But it's great to have Case here. Obviously, his influence is going to be felt in that quarterback room and beyond. And Robert Woods, who spoke to the media today, but D'Amico Ryans was asked about the veteran receiver and his contribution to this team. Yeah, for Robert, I think he just helps guys when it's, when you're a player and you have those questions that a coach may not be able to get to you right now, get that answer to you as quick as possible. Robert is that guy players can go lay in on, ask Robert. Robert has played in this offensive system before. He knows it. He knows it just as good as some of our coaches know it. So Robert is a, is a guy that young players should try to lean on, young players should try to pick his brain and just learn as much as they can from guys. And that's what veteran leadership is about in the NFL. All right? If the real veterans in this league, they pass on knowledge, they pass on you know information to the younger guys, and those younger guys continue that as they continue to grow throughout the league. And that's why we're here. We stand on the, on the backs of the guys who came before us in this league and allowed us to be in this position. I mean, how can you not – like playing for that guy mm. like johnny said yeah. he knows what the players are going through they know that he knows it's not like he's just seen it he's lived it and he respects those who have come before him that's very cool stuff all right final thought as we embark on week two of otas next week and then mini camp a couple of weeks after that before the break drew it's morning in texans time i mean it's exciting i like that I like that. DP? I just want to see more development from some of the rookies. I want to see how much more they're able to do next week. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see it week to week, but 
this was the first week of the vets and the rookies being out there together. So I'm excited to see what what they can build on for next week. I remember Watson, the difference between week one and week three and four. That was really noticeable in OTAs, never mind training camp. And I compare a lot of it to that because that was the other highest rated quarterback they drafted after David Carr, number one overall in 2002, which was 100 years ago. Oh, I thought you were going to skip me, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm not going to skip you. I, it, it, the thing right now is just to keep everybody healthy. Get guys that aren't ready to go. Get them healthy by training camp. Keep everybody healthy that's going right now. Just keep keep healthy because I think this team can be something a lot more than people think it can be. But you got to keep got to keep key guys healthy in particular. They're going to have injuries, but your hopefully your depth has improved. So I think keeping people healthy is the biggest thing to me. All right, we have a lot of other stuff to get to. That's the roundtable. Johnny and I will talk about R.I.P. the kickoff and Tom Brady didn't get what I thought he might get from the Patriots, but he's getting something else, which is pretty interesting. We'll talk about that, among other things, next year on Texans Radio. All right, let's keep it rolling here on Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Johnny, a lot of reaction today on Twitter. Before we get to some of the other around the league stuff, including the death of the kickoff, I'll get to that because you know I'm going to be upset about that. Yeah. But OTAs, a lot of talk about who's starting, who's not. There's no starting right now. You're just either going first or second or third. Mm-hmm. They're mixing people up. I expect this to continue throughout OTAs. We'll see if they change some of the order of things. But they changed it today, even as we were watching. Yeah, I think that's smart to do because think about a season. I mean, how often during a season do you have – mix and match at linebacker because of injuries because of suspension or whatever o-line wide receiver groups i mean there are some that are natural to kind of changes i mean wide receivers and tight ends they're always kind of mixing and matching depending on personnel groups but even during a season i mean what was it uh 2021 we had what 10 or 11 different offensive line combinations Mm -hmm. and you're also trying to keep guys again as i said during the round table you keep guys healthy so, you know what? If Titus Howard doesn't take every single rep or right tackle, I'm not going to cry in my water. I'm not going to worry yeah. about it. Titus is going to be fine. There are going to be guys that are going to be fine. And if the weather stays like it is, they'll get in shape pretty quickly mm-hmm. anyway. So I'm not worried about that. So this, this part of the season, to me, this is a huge part of the season because you've talked about this. You mentioned it last night. You have two weeks of training camp before you play a preseason game. And you better have your, you better have your bleep together. Yep. By that. And you're playing a game. Right. You're playing a game. So you've got two weeks in training camp to really be ready for that. Well, this is the time where you start getting ready, especially especially cerebrally, getting your cerebral, getting everything from a scheme standpoint down and ready to go. And then so you can hit the ground running in training camp because you can't hit the ground running in training camp and then go. Oh yeah, well let's go back and review what we did in the spring. No, you got to have that down and ready to roll because you only got the you got those two weeks to get ready, and I don't you don't really have two weeks. You got three days off day, four days off right. day, couple days game. So and the first one's on the road, so you're traveling the day before as it is. So you maybe have ten practices before you play a preseason game. So you better get your stuff done now to do that and to feel comfortable with that. You got to mix and match. You got to find what works. And what works together. And look, you never know by putting somebody in a particular role during OTAs and you look at each other as coaches and go, hey, I kind of like the looks of that. Mm-hmm. Do you want to you try that again next, tomorrow and see what it looks like? Yeah, let's do that tomorrow. And all of a sudden it looks better. And, oh, wow, we just found a, a nickel back that we didn't know that we had. You know, oh, we like this at linebacker. You know, you 
some things come out of the spring that you had no idea that were coming, but sometimes they're just born out of circumstance. Like, hey, our linebackers are all hurt today, so let's see what this guy looks like. He's like, wow, that guy looked pretty good. Let's see, if, let's keep him there. See what happens. That guy ends up being a player. So you never know what can happen, but that's why you mix and match, keep guys healthy, give guys opportunity, and see what guys do with it. Especially the younger guys get that opportunity. All right, the league has approved the fair catch on the kickoff. In other words. Let's say oh, Bear Barron's kicking off inside the five. Right. The opponent can call for the fair catch, make a fair catch at the four-yard line, and they get the ball to 25. Johnny, I've got a lot to say about this. Okay. But tell me this. Is Go. this the end of the kickoff yes. as we know it? We're heading that way. We're, we're totally headed that we're, way. We're heading because that way. why am I ever going to risk giving up a big return? In other words... In order to get the opponent to return the football at all, mm -hmm. I've got to tempt them into it by kicking off to, let's say, the 8 or 10-yard line, right. right? I've got to tempt them into that. Right. For a possible stop at the 18 or 20, it's not worth it anymore. No one's going to take that chance. The only time you're going to return a kick is if there's a squib right. or if somebody botches the kickoff and kicks it off short because of the wind or a bad kick or whatever to the 10 or 12-yard line, now they're going to return it. No one's going to bring one out of the end zone. No one's going to return it from the one or the two unless they feel like I've got so much daylight or they want to get fired by the special teams coach because you're always going to want to take that 25-yard line spot now that they're just giving it to you. Are they going to start kicking off ugly, like not just a squib, but just an ugly drive? You're going to start seeing more squib kicks than you've ever seen before. That's it, huh? Because you can't fair catch a squib kick, right? Can't, Correct. Well, you, Can if, you? If you catch it on the drive, you can't fair catch a squib. No, if it bounces, right. it bounce, that's it. There you go. But if they that's drive the ball get. and you somehow get your hands on it, that, you're gonna, that's too risky, though. You're going to see kickers mastering some new kicking tool where you just hit worm burners. Not, I mean, you hit a squib kick as hard as you can hit it. Yeah. And see where it ends up. I mean, that that really is going to that's that's what takes that out of play. But you can't kick it toward the sideline because then you risk. Yeah, you risk it going get, out of bounds. Yeah, they got absolutely. Nice it's got to be really it's got to be dead center right up the middle. And that's really that's really about all you can. It's really about all you can do to combat this. I think back to and it's funny, Mark. I was thinking about this because over the last couple of days, I've been uh, reviewing, uh, editing a book on game management situational football that kind of stuff and one of the chapters is devoted to the bills chiefs playoff game in 21 mm -hmm. they had 13 seconds left right and the bills the bills kicked off and they were able to they kicked it into the end zone and so they were able to start at the 25 if i remember correctly start at the 25 and then they got three plays from there as opposed to kicking a mortar kick inside the five force them to return it and that would have run some time off and I'm there would have been no way that would have been that would have been how to combat it well you can't do that now you, you hit that mortar kick anything you hit in the air they're gonna hey, fair catch you you're gonna get a 25 and the clock will not run why even bother with the kickoff anymore? i know why bother? at this point it's, at this point you know what you know why they're doing it just so you can say we're kicking off wait fourth and 15 where are we with that they never approved that right approve that did not approve that so now we still have this Hang on a second. Okay. How could you not approve the 4th and 15 when you have this? Right. 
Oh, it's okay to kick off when it's an onside kick when people can really get hurt. Those that, are to nasty me is when the injuries happen. Those are the nastiest Big kickoffs. Time. Big time. So go ahead and I'm not a I'm not a proponent of the fourth and fifteen. In other words, the one down, fifteen yards to go from your own what twenty five was it or yeah. twenty yeah. something like that instead of the onside kick or in addition to that option when you are down a score. Yeah, you had that as a possibility, but it got shot down. Shot down. That that was that shot has. Down. Got to be allowed if you're going to negate any kind of kickoff return. And the Texans are really good. Yeah, They're no. top two in the league in drive-star offense and defense because they know how to handle these situations. Exactly. But now you're negating that advantage. And you're exactly. And the Texans' number one special teams unit gets penalized for that. So Frank Ross, Sean Baker, they got to go back to the drawing board. And to me, what they're going to find out, I, what I think they're going to find, is the the hard line drive squib kick. Maybe that's not on the ground immediately, but that is kind of a three to five feet off the ground sort of thing, but hits before it gets to a returner Ooh. up the middle. That's about really the only shot you have. What Unless you have, you're just going to say, you know what? Take the ball at the 25, boot it out of the end zone. That's the thing, Johnny. Is it worth it? Because a squib of any kind could be taken by one of the up men. Sure. Right? Yeah. And you might change the personnel in the up men group if this is the case. Because all I'm trying to do is get a guy to get his hands on it. Right. right? I don't care about blocking anymore. I'm going to call for a fair catch if it's in the air or let it bounce into the end zone if it's long. Or I'm going to have one of my hands people in the front line right. grab it and run it across the 25 and slide or something just so I can get an extra few yards. Yeah. As I say this, who's going to bother? Right. Who wants to bother with all that? Both teams aren't going to well, want to bother. Here's the thing. You've seen football. I have. When a football is on the ground or moving on the ground. Not a good thing for It's anybody. not a good thing because that thing's bouncing all over the place. It's not like a basketball or a baseball. Now, those you have to encounter some spin. But a football, you know, whereas a basketball is like da-da-da-da-da. I think your audio description of this is on the money. Yeah, yeah. That's what a football is doing. It's like it might go end over end like and then it's all over the place and you you want your outbacks fielding that no i would mix if i were if i were frank and i'm thinking about the kickoff i'm thinking there are two kicks that i make i kick every kickoff as best i possibly can between the uh right down the numbers at the goal line and tempt them and just mm -hmm. say i'm gonna to go ahead. We're going to kick it to the five. Mm -hmm. We're going to kick it between the five and the goal line. We're going to tempt you. Take a chance of it Take dying. a chance of them getting cocky and doing it. But maybe they don't. Maybe they are 25. The other one is I'd work on that squib kick. Kind of hard line drive squib kick. See if anybody fields it. Maybe they get out of the way. Maybe that gets all the way back to the returner. Now he's got to return it. So that that would be the one that I would I would probably I, it's one of those two kicks. Now obviously the third one is hey Kaimi just you know hit everybody up there in the, in the south end zone just hit everybody up there in the south in, in the south end zone hit them give them the ball to twenty five um, you know but you can tempt them you can guarantee a return with the squib kick you can tempt the return with the sky mortar kick inside the five and then you can just put it out of the back of the end zone for 25. But this, the key is still going to be, there are going to still be some teams that want to return it. Because I guarantee you there will be some special teams units that are like, well, we're just going to blast it out of the end zone. And their special teams units aren't as good. But then you're going to come up against, hopefully us, and we're going to have better special teams. And there's going to be a windy day somewhere. And we get a chance to return it, and we're taking advantage of that because we're getting the ball to the 30 or 35. 
because your cover teams are not risky. as good because you're not used to it. Risky it's, business. It's coming. The, the kickoff is going to come to an end at some point. Because the squid this. thing creates more injury possibilities. Yes. And a windy day kickoff opportunity is Absolutely. not the ideal situation either. Just get rid of it. Although then you won't be able to say kickoff anymore. You'll have to say start time or whatever. Uh, yeah. I, I, Ceremonial but, but kickoff. The, the, now, now you've got in my head with that whole onside kick thing. Because that, to me, the most dangerous play, I think, in football is the onside it's kick. It's unnatural. It's not it's good. It's target practice. Yes. It's target practice. It's really awkward, violent. You know, some tackles are violent, yet they seem a little bit more natural, right. a natural way to fall and break your fall and that kind of thing. This is this just is 10 a yards mosh apart. pit. This is 10 yards apart, and... There are five guys, five guys, and then there's a guy behind him that's the designated catcher, and those five guys have to go across each other. It's to me that's I, I just that's the one that that bothers me uh, from from that standpoint. But owner saw it one way, com com competition committee saw it a certain way, so away we go. Because apparently right. the coaches and the special teams coaches and players were not. They were not about this action. They, they did, did not like it. They were not about that action, boss. All right, other stuff going on around the league, including but not limited to what's going on in Nashville. And the Tom Brady thing that I mentioned earlier, we'll have that for you next, Texans Radio. All right, final Fast and Furious segment here on Texans All Access tonight. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris. Johnny, in Nashville today, what kind of issues are they seeing at the quarterback position? Oh, yeah, Paul Koharski, our buddy uh, who we had on with us at the Combine, he just said... Will Levis, period, had some accurate accuracy issues today. Aha. Well, I feel like it's early. That was a movie that we saw already. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll see. Here's the thing. I, you know, the more I thought about this, it's all about where a guy lands. I actually think in Tennessee, that might not be a bad spot for them. I mean, if they, if they want to be, hey, we're going to run it 40 times a game mm -hmm. and throw it 15, and that's our, that's, you know, 15 to 20, you know, that's our success rate. He might, he might be okay with that, but in a place where you're going to throw it 30 to 35 times, I, I just don't see where he's going to be a positive uh, for them in any way, shape or form. So we'll find out. And Derek Henry, what did he say to the media today? Oh, Derek Henry was allowed to, Oh no, Der Derek Henry is off limits to the media today, but they were talking to Jeffrey Simmons, Chega Conquo and Chris Moore. And Chris Moore, former Texan. Yeah, Chris, Chris Moore, former Moore. Texan. We I love Chris. Chris. He yeah. said it more derisively. Yeah. Um, that he was not all that happy to see Chris Moore up there when there were probably some other players I wanted to talk to, especially Derrick Henry. But that said, I think Chris Moore will do some good things for them. I, I hated seeing him go to Tennessee, but I was glad that Chris Moore got another gig in the NFL. I loved what Chris Moore brought to this team for two years. Yep. Um, he will always be – I told him this. He'll always be one of my favorites. Um, I loved him coming out of Cincinnati. He just – he's the epitome of a football player. Like the same game that he caught 10 passes against the Dallas Cowboys, he pinned the ball down at the one yard, down the ball at the one yard yep. line, being a gunner on punt. Yep. I mean, that, like, that's a football player to me. That's what I, I loved him for that. He, so. he is in a group of guys who have been Texans for the 21 and 22 season that I really appreciate the yeah. work they put in, right. that they were good guys and mm -hmm. good players and willing to play special teams. Right. And there's a group of defensive and some offensive players, obviously, because it's special teams, folks. Yep. It's a mix. But 
more defensively, I look at some of these guys. Yeah. You know, we talked Tremont about them. Smith. Yeah, we talked yeah. about them yesterday, and uh, and I'll always appreciate what they did and, and how nice they were to us. And yeah. you know, we knew it was tough times, but we were all doing stuff together, and it was good. All right, Tom Brady gets to buy a piece of the Raiders. You know, I always thought that he took less money with the Patriots because what was my theory, Johnny? That someday Robert Kraft was going to give him yes. a little island in Fiji. That's yes, because he didn't take all that money, but. I was joking about the Fiji Island. I actually thought somehow he gets a piece of the team, yeah. that he gets that opportunity. And I'm not so sure how this happened and why it wouldn't be New England. Maybe the Crafts don't want to sell a piece of the team. There are probably a lot of reasons for it. Maybe it's a red flag, or maybe it's just not going to happen anyway, and he doesn't even want it. He'd rather right. have a piece of the Raiders in Vegas, and maybe it's a big piece. I don't know how big a piece it is. Because how big a piece can you afford? I know he's got a lot of money. He's made a lot of money over yeah. the years, endorsements and salary, even though he's taken less money. But it's an interesting story to me because I'm surprised more players don't get the chance to do it with their franchises. You don't have to give them a huge piece. I would love to own .000001% of the Texans. That would be really cool. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Be like a Packers fan. You could yeah. you, know, you could own part of You'd own part I don't of know how many O's I just said, yeah, but it's still going to be a pretty good chunk, and yeah. I think the growth rate would be very satisfying. Well, more and more athletes are in more and more athletes and entertainers, people with money, uh, with a lot of money. They're investing in a, in a lot of different sports. You see Ryan Reynolds and and Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They invest in Wrexham. Well, you were um, telling me about the L.A. Uh, women's team. Yeah, Angel City is a great documentary on HBO. Natalie Portman started it she wanted to to build a new expansion soccer team in la and it Padme? was incredible documentary but they have serena williams on board they have jennifer garner they have obviously natalie portman she was the main investor so eli manning was an investor in the gotham fc the nwsl team in new york city so there are more and more at former athletes like jj watt with burnley you know yeah. now in the, in the premier league they're getting involved in sports ownership and I feel like that's one of the ways where athletes can stay near the game. They can be invested with the team in some certain capacity, yet they don't have to play the game and they don't have to coach. So they don't have to go through that um, stress that they have to have, and yet they can still feel the excitement of wins and losses and things like that. By so. the way, I went to Mrs. Watt's former team, her their game, the Dash, yeah. on Saturday night. How was that? That was cool. I like the dash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they didn't do well that night, but right. I, I thought it was cool to be there. It's a good cool, product, man. Cool really experience and great sport, obviously. And I think I don't know anything about the women's leagues around the planet, but the women's league here has to be very good because yep. our women's team is awesome. And yeah. why wouldn't it be? Yeah, I, I think it's a really good product, uh, NWSL. And I, th you know, watching that documentary, Angel City, was very, very cool and enlightening. So we'll check that out. Okay, more viewing picks tomorrow. That's going to do it for tonight's show, which will be up on podcast soon enough. So take advantage of it there and listen to all the former programs, former programs, other programs that we have as well. Have a great night, everyone. Go Texans.